Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Well, good late afternoon, early evening, wherever you may be, however you may be listening, really whenever you may be listening, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is Tuesday, July the 18th, 2023. It is currently 5.30 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And in about 30 minutes... This studio will turn into, well, the 2023 National Sword Conference. That's what it's going to turn into because I'm going to be watching, taking notes, listening to the 2023 National Sword Conference. We have been following it. I've been doing some reviews, some critiques, some analysis. We've been having some good conversation and discussion in regards to it. I've tried to get everyone who will listen to me to go tune into the conference And in 30 minutes, the 2023 National Sword Conference will restart. I mean, they are done with the morning sessions. They had an afternoon session that wasn't live stream. But starting at 6 p.m., there's, I think, two hours of preaching tonight. You'll want to tune in. Go to swordofthelord.com. That's swordofthelord.com. Right there, kind of like almost at the top, you'll see something that says, watch the 2023 National Sword Conference live stream here. You click on that and it will take you to their YouTube channel, which should start a live stream here in the next 30 minutes. We're trying to get everyone to watch it, to participate in it. Uh, to think about it, discuss. We don't agree with everything in it, but the reason we're doing this is I like to keep an eye on what's going on in the Christian world. When the Christian world offers me a free conference that I can live stream, well, then why not take a chance to look in and see what's going on? In this particular case, the, uh, the 2023 National Sword Conference is giving us insight into the world of the Independent Fundamental Baptist, the KJV-only Sword of the Lord newspaper reading type of world, and we're, we're getting some insight. And I think we've seen some interesting things. In fact, I've seen some things I've been very, uh, very pleased by uh, and very happy to hear. We talked about that. Um, and so I hope you're, you're going to watch tonight and then hopefully somewhere this evening, 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. Central Time, hopefully I'll be live on the air talking about the things that have occurred this evening at the conference. But tune in, pay attention, take notes, talk to us, email us, newsif at yahoo.com, and uh, well, we'll see where we can go. But we have to talk about Hebrews. We have to talk about the book of Hebrews, and we have to talk about the concept of rest, because I believe it was last night's sermon. I believe it was the first sermon of the conference. There were some hermeneutical issues I I wasn't such a fan of. I wasn't really a fan of, I mean, it felt like it was kind of two sermons thrown together. There was a lot of different things that we could talk about in regards to it. But in the sermon, the pastor who opened the conference, he kind of gave us an outline, what he called an outline in Hebrews, right? Really what it is, it's it's just a outline of all the different places in Hebrews where the phrase let us appears, right? It appears in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1, let us. It appears in Hebrews 4:11 where we read this, Hebrews 4:11 
I'm in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four, verse 11. And we read this, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. What was so frustrating is we were listening to preaching, utilizing these verses in Hebrews, but didn't really explain anything to, it didn't really, he didn't expound it, explain it, really nothing. He was using, kind of just using it more to to go after a topic, which was a little frustrating, uh, but hey, we're, we're, it's, it's not so much what they did. Really, the issue always comes in any preaching. You can sit there and complain about it, or you can take it and you can make something from it. You can always benefit. So I took that and did a little broadcast kind of reviewing it, and I gave that outline. And I mentioned that, let us labor to enter into his rest. That's an interesting, interesting phrase. And it could be used a lot of different ways based on someone's theology. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Well, the first thing we would have to identify, who is the us? Who is the us? Second thing we would have to identify, what is the rest? And the third thing we would have to uh, identify, what is the labor? Let us, let who? Who is the us? Labor. What is that labor? Is it, what do we do? What, what, how? I mean, labor is some kind of work. What, what, what kind of work is that? And what is this rest? What, what is the work? And, and because we got to do this work to get to the rest, we need to figure out the rest and we need to figure out the work because we are told or whoever this us is, they are told to labor so that they can enter into that rest. What is that rest? How do we get it? Now, someone emailed me a very nice email. They, they were very happy with kind of my overview of, of that particular sermon. They thought it was good, but they, they, I think they used the words, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, I think is the word that was used in the email to please address this. So I am just mentioning it now, going to do a little bit of work on it, and then we will try to probably build on this and do more work. But I'm going to see what I can do between now and right at 6 p.m. Central Time when the conference begins. But but I just, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this because I think it's, I mean, Everyone, everyone listening, you should have already been working on this. Who is the us? What is the labor? And what is the rest? Because if that us includes you, well, do you want that rest? Well, you need to figure out what that rest is. And if you want that rest, then how do you labor to get into that rest? And what does it mean to be in that rest? Oh, so many good questions a Bible student should be asking. So we're going to be doing a little bit of work. Now, according to some sources... The concept of entering into God's rest really kind of shows up in Hebrews chapter 3 is where many people kind of tell you where you have to go to start working on it. Actually, Hebrews chapter 3, where you read this, Hebrews chapter 3. Now, you can clearly, I'm just going to start back here where we can just get some context, right? I mean, I know this is going to take up too much time, but we can at least start unpacking this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he was as he who hath builded the house 
hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope from firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day and as in the provocation in the days of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works for 40 years. Now, clearly this starts giving you a little bit of idea of who he's referring to. He's referring to the Jews. He's referring to Israel here, right? And it's the book of Hebrews written to Jews and preparing them for what was coming because this is written around 67, 68, 69 AD. The temple and Judaism, as we know it, is about to be wiped off the face of the earth. So clearly now he's going back to, hey, hey, don't, don't be like your fathers. Don't be like Israel of the Old Testament. Now look what they did. They tempted and proved God and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter in my rest. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, now we start getting somewhere. All right? The rest here, I think we kind of have an idea what's being talk, talked about, right? The, the, okay, and in fact, I'm just going to read from one source. The concept of entering into God's rest comes from Hebrews chapter 3. What is this rest? The Hebrew writer is talking about. Now they say now they ask the same kind of question, which is good. What is this rest? What is this rest? How do we enter in it? Okay, another another good thing, another good question to ask. And how do we fail to enter it? Now I didn't ask that question, but that's good. Like, hey, how do we enter into it and how could we fail? The writer to the Hebrews begins his discussion of God's rest in chapter three, where he references the Israelites wandering in the desert, which we just read and giving them the land of Canaan. God had promised that they would go, that he would go before them, defeat all of their enemies and order that they could live securely. All that was required of them was to fully trust in him and his promises. However, they refused to obey him. Instead, they murmured against him, even yearning to go back to the boundaries, to bondage under the Egyptians. Right, I, think, I think that's clearly seen. We just kind of read it. So was the rest then, that's the first rest being referred to in Hebrews 3, the rest of Canaan, the rest of going into the promised land? Hey, you're going to get the land. You're going to get the fulfillment of the covenant. You trust in me. I'm going to take care of everything. Is that the rest that he's referring to? Well, the particular article that I'm reading, they say this. The particular rest referred to here was that of the land of Canaan. Now, I, 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 think, that, I think that that's fair, that the, the first rest mentioned in Hebrews 3 is the rest of going into the land of Canaan. Into that rest, God solemnly said the Israelites who disobeyed him would never 
enter. He said Hebrews 3.11. Let's go back to it. Hebrews 3.11. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And we know those people wandered around for 40 years and they died. They did not enter into the rest. They died off slowly but surely every day. There was death, death, death. They did not enter in. And why did they not enter in? I think this is very important. Because they didn't do something? Or did they not enter in because of unbelief? Was it because of unbelief or because they disobeyed? Now, unbelief is a form of disobedience, but was it because they did not believe? You can go check out all the accounts in the Bible about their failure to go into the land. And what's the failure attributed to? I think it's attributed to unbelief. That's, That's where I would consider it. Now, this is what they go on to say, all right? The particular rest referred to here was that of the land of Canaan. In that rest, God solemnly said the Israelites who disobeyed him would never enter. Now, they say, the article says disobey, but I think it's because they didn't believe. I think it's because of unbelief. But you you can go look in how you would like to word that yourself. They had been rebellious. All the means of reclaiming them had failed. God had warned and threatened them. He had caused... His mercies to pass before them and had visited them with judgments in vain. And he now declares that for all their rebellion, they would be excluded from the land. Now they have Hebrews 3, 16 through 19 here. Let's read it. Hebrews 3, verse uh, 16. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of four, 319, I think is a key verse unbelief. Now, this is a very historical, this is a historical story. It's not allegorical. It's a literal story. Here was literal land that God had promised them. It's there. It's all promised. Believe God. Trust him. They would not enter because of unbelief. All right. Now, that, that, see, the original rest, rest was Canaan. They did not enter because of unbelief. Unbelief. I mean, it's right there. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. All right? I, I really want to stress that. Now, but eventually... The next generation did place their faith in God. And by following the leadership of Joshua, they came some 40 years later, entered into God's rest, the land of Canaan. So the first rest being referred to as Canaan, the land of Canaan. They did not go in because of unbelief. Using the Israelites as an example of those who were not resting in God's promises, the writer of Hebrews goes on in chapter four to make the application personal, both to the Hebrew Christians and to us. Now we got to be careful here. Everybody wants to jump to us, leave you out of it. 
All right, first and foremost, this is written to the Hebrew Christians. Now, this is so important to them, right? Because it, because they're, they're, they they want to possibly go back to Judaism. They still maybe want to try to cling on to Judaism. They still may want to hold on to that. Not maybe, you could argue, not trust in fully all of the promises given to them through the Messiah and through his finished work. They may want to cling to the law. They may want to cling to the sacrifices. They may want to cling to to the priest and to the temple. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, that's all about to be destroyed. So there's a a major emphasis here on you need to cling to what is better. All of it's going to be gone. Anything you're clinging to, it's no longer going to exist. Those sacrifices, there's not going to be any longer a sacrifice for sin, meaning those sacrifices are going to be gone. The temple's going to be gone. The high priest is going to be gone. The tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of Covenant, it's all going to be gone. So, hey, 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 you need to enter into the rest because there's going to be a lot of unrest. And then what happens for one? Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. Hey, there's a rest. There's the ultimate rest. There's the, there was, see, that was a, that was a, that, uh, how can we say it? Canaan was a, was was not the true rest. It was only a shadow of the true rest. You need to now go into, don't miss out on the true rest. Right now, this article says this. All right, now this is a very important, all right? So using the Israelites as an example of those who are not resting on God's promises, the writer of Hebrews goes on in chapter four to make the application personal, both to the Hebrew Christians, and then they say to us, but I'm just going to say to the Hebrew Christians. Therefore, since the promises of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. The promise that still stands is the promise of salvation through God's provision. Jesus Christ, he alone can provide the eternal rest of salvation through his, through his blood shed on the cross for the remission of sins. God's rest then is the spiritual realm, the rest of salvation. Uh, the author goes on to assert is that faith is the key to entering into God's rest. The Hebrews had had the gospel preached to them just as the Israelites knew the truth about God, but the messages were of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Some had heard the good news of Christ, but they rejected it for a lack of faith. Look at Hebrews 4, 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now the them there are those of the Old Testament. They heard the, pro- well, in a sense, they were given the promise. God's covenant, they're going to get the land. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be amazing. They're going to have complete rest. Just follow God. Just, just, just believe in him. So it was preached unto them, but it did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They didn't have any faith. They didn't have any faith. And because of unbelief, they never got into the rest, into the rest. So, hey, Hebrew Christians, there's a, there's still a promise of rest. In fact, it's a better promise. It's a better rest. It's a perfect one. But hey, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. Right now, here, here, this is what they say. Um, the the Hebrews had the gospel preached to them, just as the Israel, uh, just uh, the Hebrews had had the gospel preached to them, just as the Israelites knew 
the truth about God, but the message were of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Some had heard the good news of Christ, but they rejected it for their lack of faith. Now, Hebrews 4, 10 through 13, let me read it. Hebrews 4, 10 through 13. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now, say if you enter into the rest, you cease from all your own works. Because you're you're going to be re- you're going to be at rest. You're not going to be working. You're 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 resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now here's the the verse that kind of caused some trouble. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. There's the unbelief part. So what is the laboring part? What is the laboring part? Well, let's see what they say here. They say Hebrews 4, 10 through 13 explains the nature of this, the faith that will get you in to the rest. This kind of faith that enables us to enter into God's rest is a faith that first demands that we rest from relying on our own works. See, the, the kind of faith that will get you in is a, is a faith that does not rely on your own works. You're relying on what God has done in Christ. Then the writer seemingly contradicts himself by telling us to make every effort or to labor for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own works, just as God did from us. Let us therefore make every effort, as some translations, or labor to enter into that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. What this apparent paradox means is that such biblical faith involves our submissiveness to God and our efforts in that area. Mm, I don't know. Is this about submissiveness? Do you labor by being submissive? That still seems like something you are doing. Ah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, ah. They, they state it this way. Maybe the next paragraph will help us. Though we desist in our self-efforts to earn salvation and the promised eternal rest, we also make every effort to enter that rest by choosing to, de- to depend solely on God, to trust him implicitly, to yield totally to the promises of God through the free grace of his salvation. So they're like, the way we labor is by doing everything we can to just truly trust in him. We, we in a sense, labor to not labor. We labor to truly give ourselves and submit completely to the finished work of Jesus Christ. I don't know if that works. I don't know if that works. Now, if we look briefly, I, I just, I'm not, I'm struggling with that a little bit. I'm struggling with that a little bit. I, 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 and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that I, I'm just struggling a little bit with that. I'm going to look up the word labor really quick. I'm just going to look, let us labor. Okay, well, oh, I, I like the first part. Okay, uh, the, the Greek word here, the Greek word here is this. The word for labor is this Greek word. 
Strong's G, 4704, Spudazzo. 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 Spudazzo is used 11 times. Endeavor, do diligence, be diligent, give diligence, be forward labor. Strong's definition is to use speed to make effort, be prompt, earnest, diligent, be diligent, endeavor, labor, study, to hasten, make haste, to exert oneself, endeavor, give diligence. I, I, I like to make haste, to speed, right? Hey, and, and because to me, this, there's a, this works a little, if, if I can, it, I'm not saying that we can do this perfectly, I, 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 mm, I, I, it, it makes sense to me. I just don't know if the, the definition and the meaning of the word would 100% work. We would have to, I don't think, I don't know if we have a, uh, the meaning of the word would, would fit this, but just think of this in my mind. All right. Hey, you remember Israel? Remember your forefathers? They never made it in to the rest because of unbelief and they all died. Right? They wandered around for 40 years. Well, hey guys, you need to, there's still a promise for that rest, but you need to enter in. You need to enter in at that rest. And that rest is the finished work of Jesus Christ. You've got to trust in that. And obviously the way to do so is not unbelief, but belief. Now look at it. It's written around 68, 69 AD. They've got to, in a sense, Hurry, so then let us labor, let us haste, let us speed, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. In other words, today, trust, today, believe, enter into that rest by faith. That, to me, seems more like, I just wish it was translated that way. Someone said it this way. I know God grants us faith, but is that faith always feeling restful? Not suggesting it works, but sometimes restful faith does not feel labor, uh, laborious, but I have no idea. Okay, I see what you're saying. Hey, by faith, right, we believe. So in a sense, we enter, we, we, we enter into the rest, but sometimes we don't feel at rest. So labor to really be at rest. Okay, I, I see that. I like the speed idea. I like to hate because that is a possible translation of that word to uh, to hasten to make haste. Hey, you need to do it now. You need to you need to enter into that rest now. Now I understand if God's the one grants the faith, but but we are the command is always given to us to repent and believe even though God is the one who grants it so that doesn't that doesn't bother me or confuse me but hey you need to enter into the rest and the only way you can is by trusting in God all you can say is God have mercy on me God grant me the faith grant me the 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 belief so that I can enter into the rest I don't have a perfect answer here, but it does seem so contradictory. I do agree with that article. It does seem so confusing. I mean, look at Hebrews 4.10. For he that is entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from this. Let us la labor, therefore, to enter into this rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. To me, it seems like you need to do it now. 
Now, the article is more like you need to you need to labor by basically you need to labor and not working. You need to you need to work at not working. You need to work in submitting. You need to work in giving up all of these other things. Now, in some ways, that works as well. Hey, guys, you're going to have to work to give up the temple. You're going to have to get get yourself to submit to the finished work of Christ because all of these things that you're trust that you sometimes trust in sacrifice pre temple, it's all getting ready to be gone. And so you're going to have to submit to this rest. And that may require a little bit of working to submit yourself that it's all done. Hey, don't we have to sometimes work and labor at reminding ourselves and labor at not looking to our works and trusting in our works and trusting completely in Christ? Like that, like the person in the comment said, sometimes our we, we are in Christ, but we're still, we're still laboring. It's still laborious. We're not at rest. So don't sometimes we need to, hey, I'm in Christ and I have to labor to stop working and looking at everything else and finally rest in that rest. Some, I, I just, I'm just, we're going to leave it there. We still need to do more work on this. This gets us at least a good start. I'm not completely sure I've got it all figured out. We're going to we're going to have to do more on it. But I think it's something to 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 very much consider. And I wish that the conference that would have actually done some work. I mean, that's an entire sermon right there. When we just we try to go through it in 30 minutes, but it at least hey, well again, what's they're talking about at the conference we're going to talk about, and that one is a very important one. So you can tell me what you think about what it means to labor to enter into the rest, and you can email me at newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Now, I believe right now in North North Carolina, I believe what is happening right now is, yes, it is live, ladies and gentlemen. The live stream will begin shortly. So go to swordofthelord.com. Look for where it says it's in red. Watch the live stream here. Click on it. It will take you to YouTube. Let's watch the 2023 Sword of the Lord National Conference, night two, really, in a sense, day two, the evening sessions, two hours of preaching, and that should start right now, and then come back to the Theology Central podcast after it's all said and done, and we'll talk about what happened and summarize it and struggle with it, and we're just going to have a good discussion. That's what preaching should always lead to, lead to good discussion like we just had. If you go to church and there's never any good discussion about the sermons, what are you doing? It should lead to conversation and discussion. Find someone to discuss. Say, hey, can you listen to the sermon at my church and talk to me about it? Because it should lead to good conversation and good discussion and and study. Even if it's a bad sermon, it should. All right? It should. I see. I, I, I know that, you know. When I get done preaching, that's all my people talk about. All Okay, yeah, I know. I'm lying to myself. It's what I want to believe is going on. But hey, tonight, let's talk about the preaching. Go now, swordofthelord.com. Go, go, go. Leave me. Go look it up. Let's go there now. Let's, let's go to North Carolina, listen to that preaching, and then we'll come back here and talk about it like we just did Hebrews chapter 4. But think about that rest. 
That rest is the finished work of Jesus Christ, because apart from that finished work, there is no rest. And we definitely need to rest in that rest. Thank you for listening. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Take good notes tonight. If you have questions or anything, any observations, email them to me. All right, I'll be checking my email as I'm watching the conference. Thanks. God bless.